are now listening to United 96 Podcast on the RFK Refugees Podcast Network. And welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the return of United 96 here on the RFK Refugees Podcast Podcast Network. We are back after our uh, slight hibernation. Long, long, Hibernation, yes, good, good word for it. It wasn't a hiatus. I call it a hibernation. Is a good word for it, John. It's seasonal, um, seasonally specific. I thought a great word. <laughs> I think we all. I think after um, the the awfulness that was uh, DMV soccer in the DC area, um, I think I think it was worthwhile. It was worthwhile to just take a step back, watch the World Cup, enjoy the enjoy the the festivities and everything there. Um, highly compromised festivities, but nonetheless, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nonetheless, the soccer was there. Um, John, how you doing, my friend? How, how was your How's your holiday uh, holiday been? Uh, so it's been pretty good. I got I got to admit, this was our longest break, probably in four years of doing the podcast. I want to say thank you. We paused for our patreons to make sure that we didn't charge them for no shows. Uh, I put like. 10 shows in the, in the, in the tubes basically to, <laughs> to have people listen to uh, a lot of you did not do that. And I don't blame you. I understand not listening to an old podcast, but some of you did and thank you. But yeah, man, it was great. I'm, you know, I'm, I feel a lot, I feel charged up. I feel excited. I know, I know you and I talked about this before, like I'm ready for MLS to come back. I'm ready for the yeah. season to start now. It's that little bit of a break. Also that I was a, a huge anti winter world cup guy, just conceptually. And then I was like, this is my least favorite sports time of the year. This was kind of cool to have it then. It's kind of <laughs> this this fixed a problem for me. So not so bad. Yeah, maybe they should. Um, there, there was some. There was something I think to this um, to this World Cup and in, in in the time frame that it took that it took part in, and the the I, I guess the notion or the uh, the ability that the players were all they were all like in mid season form. Yeah. Like, so th- there was a definite notice. Like normally, like you see towards the end of the world cup, a lot of feats are dragging. They've had a full season with basically no break. Um, so I'll be curious to see how the, how the rest of the club season looks um, after this. Yeah. Um, some, some leagues are jumping right back into it. England jumping right back into it. Everybody else, but uh, Germany apparently, which during the, the, the pre-recording, both John and I were laughing. They're not starting until January 20th. So um, it's a long, long, long break. Um, before we get into the show, I think I think we do want to mention, um, obviously, we, we will not have, uh, I would say, if you're looking for a heartfelt remembrance or a funny story between personal interactions between Grant Wall, Grant Wall John Hoffman, and Ted Meyer, uh, you will not find them um, here. But I think we're without, without um, remiss to mention the the tragic loss of, of Grant wall over this world cup. Um, many, I, I think I've only had about one interaction with Grant wall and uh, Grant wall was no, known for being um, a little feisty on Twitter. Uh, but despite that, he was certainly a, a absolute lion when it came to soccer coverage, soccer coverage would not be as well known. There would not be people who would have been inspired to cover this game. He covered this game when, no one else would. Um, so, you know, I, I, as a high schooler soccer nerd, I picked up his uh, Beckham, the Beckham experiment um, book uh, and read it. And of course that I think made players like Alan Gordon uh, famous and, and is the way he contrasted those two, I think will always go down in, in history of sort of the early days of this, uh, of this league. And and he did it and he, he covered it. Uh, he also stu- stuck to his convictions, even while covering the game in, in Qatar uh, with everything that had been coming out regarding um, their, you know, gay and trans rights in the country, the uh, the migrants' rights, he covered it all, um, and he did it. He literally did it on his own. Um, so it was he was quite an incredible, incredible reporter. John, I don't know if you had anything else you, you wanted to add to this. I, I mentioned um, it on on Twitter. I think the night it happened, the the only the only two elements I have, uh, well, one real only slight personal thing with Grant Wall is that I remember. Uh, when the Beckham experiment came out, I worked at the National Press Club and my wife also did. And she ran a book fair. And I remember lobbying very hard to get her to get Grant Wall to come. Uh, <laughs> and, and and he did. And he signed copies of his book. And somewhere I have a copy of the Beckham experiment signed by him. Nice. Um, and it was the timing was right. You were you were into soccer a lot earlier than I was. But like the timing yeah. was right when that book was written. It was like right in sort of my sport awakening. So it was just it hit the right time. Um, and the thing that I took away most from all of the, you know, wonderful heartfelt stories, the specific stories, 
uh, is that the common thread is that he was nice to everyone and not just people who would better his career. And he would go out of his way to help people that were just starting out or who felt maybe that they didn't belong where they were. And he was one of those people, you know, those people that are really good about texting you on your birthday or texting you in something. Those people are worth so much. And most people aren't that way. You know, we all kind of, I think we all want to be that way. And a lot of times we struggle to be that way, but that was clearly part of it. But, um, you know, I, I have very limited, most of our experiences talking to each other on the internet and, and then you guys <laughs> listen to it. I have a little bit of sports media experience now because covering the spirit in person and like, that's not a universal thing. That sort of, that, that, that sort of generosity of spirit and generosity of, of, of making people feel at ease is not standard across everybody. So, mm-hmm. um, I think if we can do anything, if we can take anything from the loss, I think it's that, uh, try to try to be more like that in your own life. And it doesn't have to be about media. It can be about anything. Just try to try to make people feel more comfortable in the spaces that they're in when you can. Cause it's, uh, I think it's, it's a gift that you can give and anybody can give. You don't have to be special to do it. You just have to think about it and try. So I think that's a, that would be what I would take away from it. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think, I think what would most got me was everybody talking about an experience they had with him when they were just starting out. Um, and it caused me to reflect on a lot of the, a lot of the people that, um, you know, helped me when I was a punk 20 year old kid trying to to do this podcasting, telling my father I was going to make money off this someday. Um, never, never happened. Little did he know <laughs> tens of dollars, <laughs> tens of dollars. Right. I, th- I thought this was going to be a career, um, but you know, th- there are people that helped, you know, grow my confidence who stuck by me when, you know, things, maybe I didn't have the greatest show and um, that was really important to me. So I, I you know, I reached out to, to several of those people, um, Scott Bornstein, especially who, who started around Scott. the league. Yep. Started around the league with me. So, um, that, I think that, that was one good thing that came out of this un- utterly sad moment was seeing all those, seeing all those stories. Um, and he'll be missed. There'll be, there's a giant massive size hole in, in American soccer coverage. So, um, I, I, I just hope, I know he would want it filled and I, and I hope it will be filled. So, it will. um, yes. Yeah, so, to, so to, so to segue to that, um, I think every pod, every, every single show is struggling how to segue, how to segue from this, but, um, we did have a world cup, uh, that 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 took place um the soccer all the other uh side side shows and 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 not necessarily side shows but just all the stuff to the side and all the uh the the items uh the soccer was pretty good it was a pretty incredible world cup um i did want to talk a little bit i guess about the u.s maybe sum up kind of our thoughts on the u.s men's national team uh they of course finished second in their group uh with uh iran wales and england uh, to make it to the round of 16 uh, and then of course lost uh three, one to, to the Netherlands. So uh, fairly becoming like a fairly typical, like decent world cup result, make, yep. make the round of 16, you lose in the, and, and you lose in the round 16. Um, of course the, the drama, but before we get into the drama, John, give me, give me some of your thoughts, you know, overall success, not success, successful world cup, missed opportunity. Where are you falling? I think you'll notice that I started to tweet more about it as the, the tournament went on and I could feel, I could feel those good, those, those long dormant cares reconstituting <laughs> in my body. I was turning into an Eagle and there was, I was, I heard the call of the Eagle in my head. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, they put together, uh, some moments of really impressive soccer, right? I think like re- some really, really beautiful m- movements. They weren't, they did not blow the doors off with scoring. Uh, the defense was fantastic. They didn't, they did, if I'm correct, they, they did not concede in the group stage, right? Did not concede. Um, did not concede off open play. Right, that's off fantastic. Yeah, I mean, look look at through the players. They, had. I mean, Tim Ream started. You know, have Tim Ream, uh, Walter Zimmerman, or Wal- not Walter Zimmerman, Walker's Walker, Walker Zimmerman. Well, I think yeah. Walter Zimmerman is a, a name from World War Two. Uh, <laughs> Google it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the 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 players that uh, that brought and were sort of second guessed played fantastic. And I think the thing that, you know, you, you and I keep coming back to and you see it all over is that these guys are babies. This is the, like a U23 side that they brought to the World Cup and made it to the round of 16. And it has to, I think, you know, you would assume it gets better, right? You would assume the trajectory goes up and well, now we'll talk about the, and now we'll talk about the, uh, the, the bit of drama about it. Cause I think that's related. I think it's, I think it's a valid conversation to have, but the way it's being had is probably not constructive. 
Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, I think like you, my fandom for the U.S. Men's. I mean, it's it really it started with with Jurgen Klinsmann. I, I've railed against Jurgen Klinsmann, and I just love you that did. He is, yeah. <laughs> I just love how much he's being exposed right now um, for for what he is when he gave Neymar a player of the tournament, despite he not playing a majority. I of missed matches. that. I, you didn't hear that? No. no uh, wonderful. And and uh, Matt Doyle had a comment that said uh, he talked to people from the 2014 team and said yet he, he struggled to pay attention for 90 minutes. So don't we all? I mean, <laughs> but anyway, relatable. but um, yeah, but anyway, uh, but yeah, no, but my. My, uh, you know, my fandom, you know, my support really kind of ran dry. And, um, you know, there are the, the U.S. men's national team fan base, you know, certainly has not helped those um, comments. Every time I, I see a post on, on a U.S. soccer Facebook page about how we need to just fold MLS and send all the players to Europe or we need to stop bringing MLS players, I, I just kind of roll my eyes and just it, it really and it shouldn't impact me. I should just be able to put those people to the side. Uh, I don't know what it is. I mean, I can I can see those people for D, there's some people out there who are DC fans that that have you know similar sort of crazy ideas about the team, and you would think I, I can kind of put those at the side, but I really couldn't put it with with the US uh, with the US national team. They just get your goat, Ted. They know that that is that is a they. I think it's it's because we love this league and talk mm-hmm. about this league, so like the dismissal of it is out of hand. Is kind of it's, it's trolling. It's, it's a very effective trolling for an audience of us. It's also, I mean, I mean, the conversation for DC at least changes somewhat every year. The conversation for U.S. soccer no, is the true. same conversation we've been having for about. So it's, it's like twenty. I'm, I'm becoming the grouchy old man who's just like <laughs> we've like we've we talked about this in 2002. It's like w- there's <laughs> your answer. Your answer is not going to work, and it's it's and I and I'm tired of hearing about it. Um, also, look at look at where those players who are in Europe are playing now. Yeah, like they're not playing. I mean, some I was going to say they're not playing at Fulham like Clint Dempsey, but something. Some of our players are playing at Fulham, but for the most part, the players that you're talking about are playing in some of the top teams in the world. So, I mean that that excuses they can be in both places. We can contain multitudes. I think it's cert- certainly fine that you have uh, players in your domestic league. Uh, I looked at the Argentina lineup that was out there. Mm-hmm. Not so much with them. I think they had. I think they may have had one player on their entire uh, their entire team. I think the backup goalkeeper was uh, Argent played in like Newell's. But other than that, they seem to be mostly in La Liga. Like half the team was uh, Sevilla, I think, or uh, yeah. or Benfica. Yeah, and the goalkeeper, <laughs> the goalkeeper who who became the star of the the, the star of the show a little bit. Um, not that Messi wasn't the star of the show of the final. Um, but second I, silver I, medal, silver medalist of the of the game for sure. Let, let, let's get into Maybe the moment bronze. that let, let's get into the U.S. moment um, that caused me to all those good feelings about oh where the future of the team is going just kind of all melted away with oh yes just the 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 absolute firestorm. Um, so so this started actually at the World Cup. Um, Gio Reyna, um, incredibly talented player. Many people consider probably the most talented U.S. player out there. Um, I'm not going to argue with that. He had been injured and hurt. Um, a lot of the time, uh, apparently was, it started out uh, from, uh, I'm going to summarize quite briefly. I'm sure I'm going to miss some facts. Um, was basically told by Greg Berhalter that he had it in his mind for a limited role, limited role in the world cup. Um, and this, apparently he went, was training while they were, had a scrimmage against a, I think a Qatari team. He was not trying walking uh, around, supposedly. walking around the, the team was starting to know us. The team was starting to be impacted. Um, the leadership met and they had a conversation about whether to send him home. Apparently they leaned on the side. Well, let's go to him one last time. Say, Hey, you got to cut this out. Like, you know, otherwise, you know, we're going to, you know, we're just, we're just going to move you to the back or send you home. Like you're impacting the entire team. You know, he apologized to the whole team. Things apparently moved on. They moved on from there. Uh, he did play some minutes. I thought he was pretty good. Uh, I don't think he necessarily made the impact that he wanted out of the world cup. Um, or maybe that a lot of U.S. fans wanted out of it. Um, the 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 drama. I think I think there's a lot of people that have criticized the way, and I think there's a lot. There was a lot of information that was flown around. One of which was that the players voted whether which, to send him home or not, which apparently was not true. Correct. Um, th- that that was that was not that was not done. Um, so there's a lot of like you know misinformation kind of flying around with this. What really happened? The team has sort of talked about. I think Tim Ream said you know really it was a non-issue. We got over it. We moved on from it. Um, I believe he he mentioned on a podcast. Um, but the reason this really got you know drudged up again 
was because Greg Berhalter went to a a summit or a forum. I, I can't remember the exact name. Something that was supposed to be off the record and told this story about a player that they were ready to to send home. Um, and to me, this speaks. This speaks. What, what really gets me about this is this kind of speaks to how Greg Berhalter has approached. I, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the Athletic, mm-hmm. uh, where they had from from Kuva to Qatar. It was Sam Sisk, Paul Tenorio going through the team. I think the U.S. lost a really really bad friendly, and. Brett Berhalter sort of remarked about how he had no idea how like hurt the entire fan base was because the entire fan base was livid about that whole performance. They were extremely upset. He kind of thought, oh, it's a bad friendly. We'll move on because he's, you know, living in his, you know, in his soccer bubble. He's not on social media a lot. So maybe he's not seeing good. Good thinking, by the way, Greg. (laughs) Good thinking. Yes. Maybe not seeing the things that he said, but he definitely seems to have a, it's almost, it's almost like he still thinks this is like, the same national team is on the same level of attention or scrutiny that it was, you know, when he played in 2002 and 2006, I want to say it's not the case anymore, Greg, like this, this, this team has mainstream attention. It it has, it has people who literally just follow the U S national team. Why they do that. I have absolutely (laughs) no idea. We don't advise that. That that is the most miserable thing I can think you're doing, but they exist. Um, and I think this speaks th- this incident right here to me speaks that regardless of whether you think that the team can get over this, um, I think it is time to uh, bid adieu to Greg Berhalter. I think he did an excellent job of getting the team to this point. I think he has built a incredibly solid foundation that another coach can easily pick up. Um, add some pieces, maybe add a different mindset and, and move on. So um, I, I, I'm, we'll see what happens. There, there's no, um, no official announcement yet, but sorry, I've talked enough. You, you go, you, uh, you give me some of your thoughts on this whole situation and, and what, and what you think, what you think the the resolution would be? Should Greg, Greg Berhalter be back? I think uh, Greg speaking in that context, belied sort of an insecurity that he has about the decision he made. Mm-hmm. And the, I think even though he's in his bubble, I think he hears the second guessing, you know, he, I'm sure people tell him what's going on. Uh, and you know, uh, a, a confident manager takes the, those things on, on, you know, on the chin and just it's like, yep, that was my decision. And we, and we move on, but he doesn't have that stature internationally. He is, you know, relatively, you know, inexperienced he managed for a couple years in sweden i believe maybe two years in Mm -hmm. sweden and then managed an mls and as a former player so i think that's that's the difference i think there are there are managers who have you know pep guardiola is not going to give that interview i don't think Uh, you know he just says like you know i'm 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 bigger than this this moment i will i will exist beyond it so i'm not going to dignify it and you know I don't blame him necessarily for doing that. If I'm him, maybe I feel the need to like set the record straight a little bit. So it's like, not just like I'm dumb. I I have my own mystical reasons for not playing this really talented player who was apparently not actually hurt. But I, I do think that there's no real strong case in retention. The players, the players are talented. It would be to their benefit. I think to have a new voice and a fresh start, any, any baggage that did come from this, from this tournament and the, the run up uh, could be washed away by starting over. That's why people do this, right? It's like you didn't, even if you won, even if you won the whole thing, sometimes they say we you need to have, you need to reinstill hunger. In this case, it's let's clear the baggage out. You know, that you have the talent there. The player, the player pool has, has done it. Let's fine tune our tactics for this, for this group and see where we're at where it matters here. And when we come home uh, in 2026. So I think you move on. I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any real loss in in uh, in moving on from him. He's not. Uh, he can be replaced. He's not irreplaceable. Now, now the real question: Do you think he's back? Do you think U.S. Soccer, yeah, brings him back? <laughs> I do. Yeah, I, I do. I do. I, I I think they I think they bring him back with the idea that they can change their mind and expectations. I mean, expectations will be raised. And there's a there's a Copa America coming up. Apparently, the U.S. not official yet but they have said that they will most likely it sounds like all signs are pointing. There's no qualifying anymore for this no. team. They, they they're through to the world cup, but so that's um, good. <laughs> we don't have to sweat that. I, I I think you're right. I think that, I think that's exactly the thinking is they'll be like, well, we could always fire him. We've got time. Yeah. 
but I would like to give the manager four years from today to like fine tune everything exactly so that, you know, they hit the ground as opposed to maybe like after a Copa America where we, we go over somehow, then yeah. you, then you, then you bring in Bruce arena or whoever, like the, the, mm-hmm. the fixer. I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like they're going to keep him, and I feel like they shouldn't. I feel like they should just say, this is, thank you. Thank you, Greg. You got us further than a lot of fans thought we could have got, gotten, and now we're, we have higher aspirations. We're going to try somebody else. I think that'd be fine. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting year. And if he does get hired, oh man, <laughs> oh man, the ratio on us soccer. I'm just, I'm just picturing it. That's a day to take picture. off social media again, Greg, and all of us. <laughs> um, Moving on before we kind of close up the World Cup, obviously the World Cup final was was yesterday, an incredible, <laughs> incredible final. Um, John, I thought you said it best is if if you can't watch this and you still just do not like soccer, there is there's nothing else that they, I can that we can really do for you. It was um, cocaine football, man. I don't that the, <laughs> that is like the well, that is the resin distilled all in one. And you saw like the the swings and, and roundabouts do not happen in your normal soccer game like that. They just don't. The, the the crazy well the crazy thing about it was I mean it, this was like seventy minutes of absolute Argentinian domination just all over the field they I believe I looked at one point they had one point seven expected goals to zero expected goals for France they absolutely neutralized France France had no answer for seventy minutes. Uh, and then they kind of, you know, went into cruise control and they kind of like took the foot off the gas. They said, okay, let's just kind of see this game out. Um, France gets a penalty, fortuitous penalty, but a penalty. Yep. A- and uh, suddenly it's 2-1 and within 90 seconds, it's 2-2. And they they sort of, I think, fell asleep. I think you kind of, they kind of overcorrected, panicked a little bit. Um, but they, they held strong and uh, they managed to see that game to extra time. Uh, then they go ahead. Um, and then there's a there's another penalty kick uh, and then an absolutely a goal to make it two two. So now you're thinking penalties. Uh, and then it was just like it was incredible save from France. So this was a game that was just like kind of like your typical like one team clearly doing better than the other. And then the other team finding a way to sneak a goal as as happened. And that soccer. one and that one team sort of put, taking their foot off the gas and playing defense and try to like yeah. happens every that they the two nothing lead is the most dangerous lead in soccer is a cliche because it's true oftentimes. Well it just takes one goal to half the lead. That's yep. that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing about it. And and it, it the game just completely went off the rail. It was incredible just I mean, you thought so many times you thought Argentina have this. This is over. Like you thought it at two nothing in the 75th minute. You said, I don't don't see a way back for France. They're just there's nothing here. Then they get the goal. And then it's suddenly it's two two. And then you have Argentina, you know, poke the ball through to the basically poke it across the the goal for for Lionel Messi. Um, And you think that's it. Game over. No chance. And then there's a penalty right at the last minute. And then I think the save of the tournament comes from the Argentine goalkeeper, um, Emmy Martinez, who just lays out on a point blank shot. I, I would love to see the expected goals. That oh, he just, for sure. One. <laughs> like point seven, <laughs> point eight, something like that, a point nine or something. He absolutely smothers it. Um, incredible save. And then Argentina come right back and you think they're going to score again. And then there's a missed header. Um, good. I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, we said it. Basically, the the idea is you got a little bit of everything in that game from a wish fulfillment perspective. You got you got Hollywood narrative. You got you got Lionel Messi winning, uh, but first of all, scoring a hat trick, being the entire offense of his team for the most part. I mean, from the from the 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 functional end of the offense, and then you got to see Kylian Mbappe do like hero basketball on the soccer field, which is not a thing you norm you normally do not see one player go dormant for 70 minutes, 75 minutes, and then just completely own it. Just just like through sheer force of will and talent, uh, create opportunities and, and, and tie the game. So, I mean, you're not... Someone, someone said, I saw a TikTok that was like, if this is your first game watching soccer as a fan, don't watch any more soccer again. It's only going to disappoint you. <laughs> it will never be this good again. I promise. And he's right. Like that's yeah. the, I was thinking yeah. like, oh, this will make a lot of fans. Like this is going to give a lot of people some false impressions, I think. But that's okay. This is how you get them hooked. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think honestly this could uh I mean, this could bring some brings the fans in. Obviously, the the timing was hilarious. 
like if you go through that hour and searched Fox NFL Sunday, the amount of complaining from everybody about the fact that there was a soccer game on that was taking away pregame. Did you really need to hear Howie Long talk about uh, talk about how Dax Prescott's going to do when like literally you already know what's going to be said? Did you really did you really need that? You actually you, you talk on the show how much you do not like booth coverage. And that was that was a critical element of this whole we'll maybe getting a little bit at our next topic talking about the MLS deal. But um you were you were you were critical. The, the Fox coverage was the the booth. I will say the studio, the analysts, everybody. I thought was the people when you were actually watching the game. I I really I do like John Strong. I do like Stu Holden. I think they do. They have an excellent chemistry. Um, I thought uh, Ian Dark and Landon Donovan were good. Obviously, there was the connection there with the uh, with Ian Dark calling Landon Donovan's goal. I thought you know. Derek Ray has some controversial opinions, but still a pretty good commentator. So overall, like I thought the commentary and I, on all of that was fine. I, the studio was just a mess from constantly. Um, and I think people talked about, you know, the amount, the, the amount of tributes that Telemundo did to Grant Wall versus what Fox did, uh, I thought was, was pretty terrible. Um, yeah. In comparison, I, my my real beef was the Cletus, the dancing football robot coming on immediately. Like it was like a they were talking about the World <laughs> Cup and then you have the football robot spiking the football. <laughs> and I got so mad. I knew it was coming and it still made me mad. And yeah. I, I, the only thing I'll say about the booth, the not the booth coverage, the studio coverage is I feel I feel for uh, what's it, Rob Stone. Is that his name? Yeah. It's hard to talk off the top of your head for hours and we do it to an audience of substantially less than the entire world. But when he said, Oh, that, that, that trophy is cute enough. You're going to come back and steal a kiss or whatever. And everybody who's listening to that was just like, Ooh, gross and unintentionally yeah, very creepy. Yeah. But like <laughs> clearly I, I have a bit of sympathy for him being like, I'm just, you know, shooting off the cup to like a billion people watching me right now. Well, uh, well that trophy ceremony took forever. Sure. <laughs> can, can we, can we just stop with the, can, can we like, I don't know, come up with some other way to award. Do we really need to award, do all of the awards at the end of the tournament? Because you have, it's the same thing happened in 2014 too with Lino Messi, I think winning the golden ball for best player while his team had lost the world cup. And he has to trudge upstage when he wants to be anywhere else, but on that field right now. Yep. Um, and it was, it's our cozy. I mean, can we, can we just like, just, just get to the, get to the trophy ceremony, get to the trophy, have them hoist the trophy you can do you can do the uh, the ceremony later. You can have it in a in a post. I don't know something else other than that. Dan um, Dan, Dan Duckworth says the Salt Bay of it all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so so you could you could you could. There's a lot of stories about the ridiculousness of the of the uh, of the post game ceremonies, the the celebrations afterwards. Somebody uh, there was an Instagram post today that said. Uh, they were talking about. I don't have the title, the name of it again. I apologize. Uh, the name of the robe that they put on Lionel Messi yeah. at the end, which I think from one perspective, like really kind of messes with the, the, the photograph and the moment. Like I was hoping he would take it off like at some point very early on so that they would still get celebration. Uh, they didn't, but someone said, all right, well obviously uh, in 2026, we get to put like a leather jacket uh, <laughs> on, on whoever the winner is. And I was like, yeah, I think we should do that. I think that is a good idea. They, they have to, hold- I did also enjoy that in the locker room celebration, they just had uh Bud heavy all over the place to celebrate because they had to find some use for all the Budweiser that they couldn't sell. They're like, here you go, guys. Go crazy. Go crazy, but heavy. Uh, all right. Yeah. The, I, you know, the World Cup was a uh, world. Of, it was a uh, it's a study of contrasts. Like it was yeah. it was so it was so far to one end on off the field and the sports washing and the other things. And then the play on the field was so far on the other end that it was a, a very complicated uh, but at least visually pleasing at times thing. It's over now. We've got four years to get ready and it's coming to, to the United States. Save your money, save your, save your uh, hotel miles, your airline miles. I, I know I am. I'm getting, <laughs> I'm going to uh, establish a war chest so I can go to like multiple games, but let's, uh, yeah. let's, let's talk about the league that we cover on a weekly yes. basis. Let's get back to the cover. Uh, by the way, congratulations to Ismail Elifaf on and uh, Tiago Amada, both MLS connections there. Ismail Elifaf, of course, being the referee, he was the fourth official. I believe there was also, I think there was one of the assistant VARs. VARs, yep, also. Yeah. Didn't get their names, but, but true. But that was kind of cool. That was kind of cool to see. Um, 
let's yeah, let's get into the league. Let's start talking about um, probably the speaking. We'll keep it on the TV on the TV notion. Uh, MLS finally announced their linear TV deal. Um, so I'll, I'll hit the I think I put just the, the English language and kind of left out a lot of the Spanish language coverage. Uh, but basically, the deal now basically only includes Fox. Fox Sports is the only linear TV deal for MLS, both for for the league games, both in English and Spanish. So they do keep at least a on the linear deal. Now, Fox Deportes, not as big as Univision. Univision is a massive um, and certainly 2DN are massive properties. Uh, 2DN and Univision get what they want, which is the um, League's Cup. The League's Cup. That's the big one they wanted. They get that. Um, and ESPN, out of it. No longer covering MLS. They no longer have U.S. soccer and U.S. Open Cup games. That's all going to HBO Max. By the way, I just want to, you know, we're all big Open Cup fans. Remember, it's going to be on HBO Max this year. Uh, uh, what? Wait a second. Hold on. Really? I yeah. missed that one. That's yeah, funny. US, U.S. soccer, uh, they got the whole properties for uh, for – Oh, for boy. U.S. soccer, including national teams and national team games that aren't like major tournaments uh, and the Open Cup. So the Open Cup will be on HBO Max. And that um, app is a nightmare, folks. I don't know about I don't know if you've had that problem <laughs> on, on your Apple TV. It is a trash garbage. Yeah. Oh, well. Yep. And uh, the only so the only there's a lot of confusion. I think a lot. Of, I think someone uh, I believe it was. Um, um, Jonathan Tannenwald said ESPN is now basically completely out of U.S. soccer properties. Uh, ESPN, for all I know, is still covering USL. The last little uh, blurb they had was that they had a three-year deal starting in 2019 or 2020. So I don't know if that includes this year or next year. Uh, we'll see. I have a feeling that that'll still be. I think ESPN still very much benefits um, USL. And I think, you know, I think they'll want to keep maybe a foothold. Uh, a foothold in in the in the U.S. soccer game, and maybe um, they so, even, maybe that even actually increases their budget for the quality because it's all yeah. that's all, it's the only game in town. So <laughs> benefits, oh, man. that'd be great. Yeah, man, the quality. Uh, if you're wondering why we're talking about the the lack of a linear deal, uh, it's because every game is moving to Apple TV, and I think we've talked about it a little bit. Um, I was hoping by the time we had the show, we had an actual physical schedule. Uh, what impacts, I guess the biggest thing, the biggest question mark, I guess, remaining from the packages, obviously package is going to cost $80 or a hundred dollars. Unless if you have Apple TV plus the league has stated that they are going to put a lot of games, I think around 40%, um, in front of the wall or come, you know, on the Apple TV plus or completely free. Do you think the fact that they do not have games on ESPN, it's just going to be Fox sports, um, and I think in Canada it's just TSN. I think I think the uh, the French deal I think is is through another another provider as well. I don't think I think they've kind of rolled back on having a French language coverage um, on Apple TV. But for now, do you th- yeah, for now, do you think that this the lack of a linear package will increase those numbers where they are going to start offering more games? I guess that are going to be Apple TV Plus or completely free. I don't think so. I think I think I, I think it will. You do? I think yeah. they're going to. They've got to. Fi- they've got to still figure out a way to make it worth your while. They know that the hardcore are going to want to watch every game of their team. So what they will do, similar to the Peacock strategy, is that they will put seventy percent of your games available visible outside the paywall, and then thirty percent, particularly maybe the ones you want to watch, like rivalry match. Uh, that'll be that'll cost you money. That'll that'll be what the pay is. So, I, I there's a there's like a larger thematic question about what is the what is the cost in sort of changing this paradigm? We, the, for, since the league is launched in 96, the level of coverage has varied. It used to be on uh, a, like ABC mothership. You'd have, you'd have the, you'd have the final on there. You'd have a, a couple games during the season. And then they went to re- over the time has gone to regional sports networks and the variability has been bad. The one commonality for like the last 10 years is the ratings are trashed. So we w- we have been talking about this for a long time is like, what can you do? What do you do? If you're MLS, what do you do? Right. You, you've mm-hmm. tried, you've tried different networks. You've tried different time slots. You've tried different, uh, all the things you can try. You didn't, you've not tried a streamer on, on a, on a single scale that has, uh, sort of unparalleled at, uh, resources at their command. I think it's, I think it's great that they have now gotten rid of weeknight games. Um, I think they're still going to have them. They're still going to have them. It's going to be Wednesday, but it's going to be a set day on Wednesday. Is what they're is what they're saying. But mostly Saturday games. They're going to have they're yeah. going to have mostly Saturday games. They're going to have wraparound coverage. I think you're going to lose some people in the short term. I think in the long term, this is the only way you can grow uh, viewership is to somehow 
like premiumatize it. I think that there, there's a lot, I know you and I are on discord and there's lots of like salt. Salt is not a fair term, but like reasoned uh, disagreement with that saying that it should be free. I should be able to watch it on my dog ears. I should be able to stream it on dcnight.com because uh, just because you don't have money doesn't mean you shouldn't have access to, to the game. True fact. And that has been the case for a long time that, 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 that venue has been open in the time that that has happened, growth has not occurred. So, yeah. uh, you know, capitalism is what it is. Like they're going to, it's good. They're going to seek growth. And this, that's this, the, they're trying to figure out a way to, how do you make MLS a premium product? You do this, you, you put a little apple juice on it and then maybe that makes it, the, we don't know that it will, but I think it's certainly, I don't blame them for trying. If I'm an MLS executive, I've been banging my head against the the wall for seven years. Like, I don't, I don't know. Apple TV behind the paywall. <laughs> Sure. I, I I think the biggest thing I think the biggest thing the biggest thing that needs to happen is is it this can't I'm I'm willing to give a pass for maybe majority of this year. It's they they've just kind of gotten things started up. This can't just be we're just going to put continue doing what we've been doing. Just put the games on this channel and that's it. There has to be expansive coverage. Give me something drive to survive. I I mean, that turned me from not even knowing who drove on F1 to absolutely loving F1 and caring about F1. I I look forward. I feel like I'm missing when I don't have an F1 weekend when I don't have a race. Um I mean that that show did that for me and it made me care and maybe want to get into it. Um MLS needs something like that. The the type we still talk about the type of content that NBC used to produce. Um when they had those like player profiles they did. They did one on Dwayne DiRosario. That stuff needs to come back. And I think MLS needs to heavily invest because the way you can maybe bring some people in is if there are other stories where people talk about MLS is doing a fantastic job at covering this league. They now have all of these, you know, new shows. They have this show that's like they get, you know, a million watchers, a million people watch it and and they've built storylines and suddenly their ratings or subscriptions are going up. And then you, you by building up that positive coverage, you might get more people into the game. I agree with you. It's time for a change. It's time to do something different. They've been doing the same thing for 26, 30, almost 30 years now, and nothing's nothing's worked. It's it's been Slightly increased as soccer has gotten more accepted, but it's pretty much been very, very slow increase. It's never, and right now it's been pretty much flat. I think we can say. If it doesn't work in 10 years, we'll just put every game on a VHS and send them out to everybody. By mail. <laughs> that's, that'll be yeah, our option. I don't, yeah, I don't know. They got 10 years to, to get, and I think that's what they're thinking. They're thinking the long game. They're thinking post-World Cup. We'll we'll see We'll see what happens. All right, let's go. See, we started out big, and now we're just going to get narrower and narrower right. and narrower. The funnel goes down to <laughs> discussing uh, backup goalkeeper acquisitions for DC United. Yeah, with the DC United. DC United has finally made some off-season moves. Um, interestingly enough, I will say they, they've – I won't say they've been quiet – but the moves they the moves they made have been necessary, but it has not been the super like I guess I, I expected I expected guys that got here this summer that were not going to be here this year. For right now, all to, for right now, what it looks like most of those guys that arrived here, your Martin Rodriguez's, your um, Ravel Morrison, who by the way made a starring appearance <laughs> on the uh, on the Netflix show Captains, uh, and it was not positive. <laughs> if you have, if, have you have you seen this? No. You have not seen. No. Oh man, oh man, you missed it. The uh, the Jamaican. So those who haven't seen it, uh, the Jamaican national. There was a, there's a Netflix series called Captains. I've only seen the clip, uh, but the there's apparent there's a lot of strife in the Jamaican national team between the Jamaican born players and the English players who play for the team, and everybody on the Jamaican players does not like Ravel Morrison. <laughs> they do not like him at all. They talk. They they literally mention him out loud, and they talk about how he comes in thinks he's better than everybody else tries to show off doesn't pass to his teammates doesn't communicate with his teammates and yeah he is uh he is not they asked andre blake about it, he's like oh no 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 i can't i can't i can't say anything i don't want to get in trouble oh so then so, it's true <laughs> so so uh so fun so fun um with ravel morrison um I, I will say that maybe the silver lining it's a little bit of a different atmosphere at dc um, I mean, I still watch his goal. It seemed like everybody was coming over to him and, you know, giving him high fives and everything. Um, maybe that's just the nature of scoring a goal. I think it happens uh, when you do a worldie. I think that that's yeah. uh, that everybody gets a high five. Yeah. I, I wanted to, before we talk about the new signing, uh, I just wanted to say RJR and DC says Apple and DC United are missing a huge opportunity this season. They should be doing a welcome to Wrexham type documentary about DC United and Wayne Rooney. This is their second chance at this. 
This is yeah. their second chance to utilize the greatest asset that Wayne Rooney has, which is his international marketability, and they're doing nothing with it. Nothing. They're not making him do more social. They're not doing any video content other than like a few things here and there. Like unless it's in his contract that he refuses to do it, what in the universe? What what is going on? I don't understand. There must be something in his contract that limits his because it doesn't. It boggles the mind. I think. Yeah. Right. Anyway. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think I think the league has to kind of step in and say you're going to make your players more available. Like we, we have to, we have to drive more coverage here. I think that's going to have to come from the league. I, th- I think that's honestly what happened with F one. There was, they Liberty media was like, Nope, your guys are going to open yourselves up. And some teams are like, no, we're not going to do it. And other teams are like, yeah, we need the attention. We're, we're ninth in the constructors championship. We need all the attention we can get. Um, but yeah, let's get into the signings. Uh, Derek Williams. Uh, so I'll start with the first one, I guess that happened, which was Derek Williams trade with the LA galaxy. Uh, he is an Irish international, um, 180 gam. Um, from what we've been able to gather, he had some limited appearances. Definitely, it is very much picking the picking the unwanted scraps. Uh, LA were very much trying to to offload him. They had sort of moved past him because he's on a very high salary, very high salary um, in, in a lot of ways. And but we're desperate for bodies <laughs> in the defensive side. Uh, looking at his F, F brief sort of stats, which we've. Now you you'll hear that name you'll hear that a lot. We've been we've been digging into that's the stats. That's right. Um, we've done been, we we got some numbers, guys. We we're, we're changing. <laughs> we're we got the analytics. Yeah. We we are becoming an analytics. There's a calculator show. on my L- table. At least now. a pretend pretend analytics show. The look from producer Brian, by the way, was incredible when he said we're going to be an analytics show. Yeah, uh, I could I can see the I can see the. Dis- <laughs> he said, "Sure you are." I can, I can see the I can see the sure buddy. Um, mm-hmm. by the way, uh. Basically, from what we can gather, from what we've seen, limited appearances of him, he is a reverse Donovan Pines. Not very good defensively, but good at passing out of the back. We'll so see how that smash goes. them together. <laughs> we got we got a player. Yes, um, or at least one covering covering the player. Um, I don't know if we can really make much about you know how he's played. I think he was okay, if not that great for for the LA Galaxy, um, and certainly the fact they want to get rid of him. I think the team is looking for. Um, they've had now injuries that have sort of decimated that back line where they've had to rely on guys like Tony O'Faro. Um, do we think he's an improvement over Tony O'Faro? I know we haven't seen him play, but go he's ahead and throw that out. Certainly more expensive. He is. Yeah. Uh, he's like seven uh, Tony Alfaro's, I think. So that's that's <laughs> tough. Uh, <laughs> so when you think about it like that, he's got to be really good. Um, I don't know. In the, the one thing that we'll talk about in all of these moves is that they are. For the here and now, they're for the manager that's going to be coaching him, and this is what he wants. So uh, it's it's silly it's silly to quibble with things like that right now. We just got to kind of roll with it and see. The proof will be in the pudding. Maybe he can make it work. Uh, certainly, things uh, things need to be done. We're not we're certainly not done. Uh, Rumsey DC said Sean Howe said January moves are going to blow the doors off. Yep, we're going to talk to Sean Howe uh, next month about the window so far. Uh, and hopefully some doors being blown off. So we'll see, but yeah, I'm, I'm uh, nonplussed. I'm, I'm, I'm plussed. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it is very much a wait and see. Um, I, I do like the idea. I, I do like some of these other coming upcoming moves coming. I think they, I think they do make the team better. Obviously um, the bigger free agent, uh, we, we finally are starting to dip a bit in free agency. I, I don't think this team historically has really sort of delved into free agency and sort of signing guys, from free agency. Um, I can't remember. I can remember maybe a couple signings, but not, not really any, maybe, maybe Felipe Martins. I want to say was, was a free agent signing. Maybe um, he might've been a trade. I'm not sure. Or a re-entry draft. I don't remember at Could all anymore. Could have been, uh, but, but uh, go ahead. No, I was just saying I'm getting old enough now that it feels like free agency was just like two years ago. And I don't know that that's true. <laughs> it might be like <laughs> six years old, but it feels still very recent to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, it does. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the team has signed uh, three players so far from free agency. They have signed Pedro Santos, uh, left-sided winger slash left back uh, from the uh, Columbus Crew. From, from the Columbus Crew, um, formerly the Columbus Crew. Tyler Miller, uh, former goalkeeper for um, Minnesota United. Uh, a lot of, a lot of. Uh, I think this was. It seemed pretty clear to me that Tyler, they, they, this was a good get. Yes. And we'll talk. This was a very good get for this team to sort of sure up that back line. Um, also, I think Alex Bono, um, who has his problems, he's not 
really well when received. When we get into his stats, too. It's not, yeah. not a lot of great stuff from last year. Yeah, uh, not not all the great stuff. But, I mean, I would he's a, is he an improvement over David Ochoa? Yes, and he doesn't take an international slot. So, you know, that's I that's think you meant enough. Raphael Romo. Raphael Romo, yeah, sorry. I, cause, oh, sorry Raphael if he's Romo, an improvement sorry. or not, that is, that is <laughs> debatable. Yeah, but uh, Raphael Romo, sorry. Uh, improvement over Raphael Romo. Um, but Tyler Mill is a solid choice. I think if I had to, if, if you told me beginning of the season, hey, you're not getting David Ochoa, Tyler Miller would have probably been the guy I would have said, we need to get him then. We have to get him. Otherwise, I have no clue who we're getting or we're, we're dipping back into the international market. And we've seen how well that goes. Um, overall, solid picks. Obviously, we talked about this about David Ochoa. Off to Liga MX. He's going to Atletico St. Louis. Um, a far stretch from Barcelona. Yeah. But, you know, a team that does have Liga MX connections, um, I, I think this is a chance he will probably come in there and be expected to start, which I'm sure will be, which I'm sure will be pretty good. He needs to. Uh, he, yeah, he's got he he's, he's got to he's got to put a couple years of miles on his on his uh, resume. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, obviously, I, I think the upside for David Ochoa was certainly there. I think you are you are essentially with Tyler Miller grabbing a guy. um grabbing a guy from the I, I believe we so I believe what we get for Ochoa is I think we still hold his MLS rights. I'm pretty sure about that. I'm at least pretty positive about that that we still hold his MLS if that rights. Somehow if that somehow activates, I will be I will <laughs> I will bleach my my hair blonde if uh, in the course of a year that we hold it he's like I'm back. But Tyler let's talk about the prize here. Tyler Miller yeah. Tyler Miller uh, is on this team because Dane St. Clair existed and Minnesota mm-hmm. had to choose and they chose St. Clair. Uh reasonably because of the year he had uh, last year when he you know he Wally pipped him. I believe Miller got hurt. St. Clair came in uh and took the job and ran with it until I think also then he got hurt. Uh, I think he got hurt again. Uh but let's talk let's talk about where he's where he stacks up. He only played 3 3 matches last year. Uh, he's in the 80th percentile in the uh, percentage shots saved uh, <laughs> PSXG slash goals against. Uh, it's a point, 80th percentile, which measures uh, the likelihood of a uh, goal being scored uh, based on the or X, it, the XG generated from the shots that he's faced. Right? Yeah. Ba- basically, basically, it, it takes a look and it says like if you were expected, say you played a game and you were. You had an XG, you faced an XG of 1.5 and you gave up only one goal. Well, then you would have been a plus 0.5 for that game, meaning that you you did not give up more. And and the reverse is true. If you give up two goals and you only faced 1.5, then you're at negative 0.5. And, and a lot of the stuff, soccer analytics with goalkeepers, I think they are still trying to, there's still a lot of work that's being done to try to figure out how to more accurately sort of analyze goalkeepers. Uh, so this is not a perfect stat uh, by any means, but it is a stat. And, you know, normally goalkeepers that, you know, have really high numbers in this category do particularly well and, and are particularly very good goalkeepers because they are facing high quality shots and they are stopping them um, in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah. Uh, if you look at his Flavor. So another thing that FB ref started to do is similar to baseball reference as they do um, favorability or comparability. So they look at stats based on the age of the player across world soccer. And in the 2021 season, Tyler Miller uh, was on par to Andre Blake, Sean Johnson, Cornell at, at Red Bull. Uh, so that just tells you he was, he was a top five goalkeeper basically in 2021. And in 2022, it was just a matter of, not being able to see the field because of the guy in front of him. So wonderful get. Uh, I think, I think undeniably if he's healthy, he will be our starter uh, week one. Yep. Absolutely. Um, Alex Bono, not, not so much as far as the, <laughs> as far as the, uh, he, he sits right around, he has point zero. So I guess his, his, his expected goals and goals, he is not gaining you much as far as that's concerned. He's a um, replacement level goalkeeper basically yeah. in the net. He's just, it, please just be better than Rafael Romo and you'll be fine. Basically. I think he his, is. His, I think if we, we can compare them, he, he is in fact, he is in fact better. Yep. Oh, his, his comp is, uh, is a JT Marchinkowski, who I believe is an under 21. I think he's the starter for the U S under 21 team and he plays in the USL level. So that, you know, uh, in the past, Alex Bono had a extended run as the starter in Toronto. 
and and played well. So he's certainly a player I think that can uh, be an adequate backup in the league. And it's yeah. and to your point is not taking up an international spot. And that's maybe his best thing about him. Or maybe yeah. he is. He's not right. No, he's from, no, he he's from Syracuse. So yeah, he's yep. he, he's a U.S. national team. So no more international slots being used on goalkeepers. That certainly frees up an international slot. Maybe that'll come into uh, that will come into play with what the team does in the super draft, uh, where there are international players in that super draft that are very talented. Um, GA, some GA signings. I believe the one everybody talks about from Duke is uh, international. So that plays a role in in kind of how you're thinking about who you want to take in this, in this super draft, or we flip it for 200 K, which is what I said. I think at the beginning, I think might happen, but, um, and an uh, international spot. Yeah. International. That's, spot. that's what we'll take for it. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Yeah. We're going to hold off on a big super draft preview until we know, I guess uh, we'll do a review. Once we actually know if DC is going to take, a imagine play. if we called Travis Clark in here and spent 45 minutes and they traded it. Imagine, imagine, <laughs> imagine. Yep. I think we've done that before. I think that's happened. Yep. The other the other big signing, which I am I'm actually I've I kind of spent some time when I built this outline, kind of doing some research, looking at some plays. Uh Mohammed Mohanad Jazi, I think is how you say it. I got, uh, I got nothing for you here. Yes. Sounds right. <laughs> Jehaz, Jehaz, I think is we'll uh, find we'll, out. We'll, we'll know we'll, soon. We'll, we'll we'll get it right. We'll get it right. But um Iraqi International from Sweden. Um Really impressive stats for a left back. He seems like the type of guy who um, is sort of a certainly a younger Brad Smith, uh, maybe a less hurt Brad Smith, uh, maybe a little bit more polished of a, of a Kevin Paredes, uh, loves to go forward, can beat guys on the dribble. Um, he has an 80% passing accuracy, 63% on tackles, 55% successful on dribbles. Um, and sort of the the sizzle reel I watched, um, you know, he can get back defensively. He also tries to push forward and sort of link up. Um, I was kind of looking at this and thinking, like, I mean, you're looking at this team. Maybe you play a Pedro Santos and Mo and uh, Mo and uh, Mohanan, and you just kind of have them swap between who's going to attack forward or who's going to push forward or who's going to, uh, and maybe you sort of overload the left side that way. So. Um, I've actually sort of grown to think this player could do some damage. Uh, he certainly has some very um, oppress- impressive stats at um, Hammerby uh, over in Sweden. So I-, I think he could be a good player. Charlie Davies' old club. Charlie Davies' he old play, club. He used to play at Hammerby. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's fine. I think this is, he's going to be the highest paid left back in the league or, or in the top two, I believe. So we'll see. This is, this is you know, I think this is probably not uh, – a Wayne Rooney special. I don't believe he is super <laughs> into the either the Iraqi national team or uh, the Swedish league. I think this this might be a remnant of the the spreadsheets uh, of the past. Have, did we did we talk since uh, the since Lucy Russian has been like yes no we didn't it's been so long anyway yeah we did we we definitely have talked I okay believe. all right all right yeah. but anyway I, I think that this is going to be this is this is a scout. This is the scouting department here. I think this is we'll we'll see what the what kind of gold they've unearthed here uh, out of the Swedish league. Yeah, we'll see. And yeah, I think I I think he at very least I think he provides some good cover out there on the, on the left side. Um, he is it will be a TAM level player, so he he does not cost a DP slot, which is good. I think everybody I think it was kind of funny. Everybody saw the price and it was in like the Swedish currency, yeah, which like, is holy like- crap. <laughs> And then they're like, oh wait, that's like six hundred thousand dollars. Okay, that's 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 Tam, that's yep. Tam level, Tam level player. Um the let's get let's get to the rumors. There's a the biggest rumor right now going as DC United is looking apparently to Leeds United uh in the Premier League to sign their next player. Matiz Klitsch. I hope again, we're gonna have these names down, I promise you. Mate- um, I think Mateus 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 Klitsch yep. uh from Leeds United. A uh, has spent a lot of time sort of going around uh, Europe. I think he spent a lot of time, of course, at Leeds, uh, really helped them, I think, get to the premiership. Um, and then sort of, you know, I think Tyler Adams, I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody's saying like what Tyler Adams took his spot. Do I hear that they, properly? They play, they play a similar role. I think if you've had a chance to read the athletic breakdown of him from Leeds, the Leeds perspective, he's uh, Bielsa called him in between an eight and a 10. Uh, and also Bielsa like, begged him to stay two years ago. He wasn't getting the time he wanted. And Bielsa's like, I'll play you. Don't worry. 
Uh, and then Jesse Marsh took over and he didn't play very much. And that is likely the reason why he didn't make the Polish roster for the World Cup. So he's he's in the window for them. He's getting a little bit older, but still from the perspective of uh, talent, he would be he would change the complexion of our midfield, I believe. Uh, and, and we don't have any players like him. Uh, from what from what from what we've heard about him, so just a quick uh, from the comps perspective, the, the big difference from looking at comps from Alex Bono uh, to Mateus Klitsch is uh, sub- substantive. Uh, <laughs> Henrik Mkhitaryan, uh, Mkhitaryan, and also Alexis McAllister, he of the uh, world champion Argentinian side at Brighton, are considered to be very comparable uh, to the way Klitsch is playing in the last year. So, <laughs> so take that stark. on. Right. That's uh, take that on. The downside here is that originally when this rumor popped, I know that you and I were very excited when it was talked about being a Tam signing. We're like, oh, mm-hmm. God, slam, get him on the get him on the plane. Bring him over here. <laughs> now it appears he's going to be a DP, uh, which means that Paulson will be bought down, as previously mentioned. So our DP slots will be filled, locked and loaded, um, most likely. <laughs> Again, there's yeah. an asterisk there, but I think I think it's I think it's that's on. I mean, we've seen in the summer anything you know anything could happen if things aren't going well. I mean, I think if he if he is a talent you bring in and he plays well and he changes the complexion of this team for the better and he improves this team significantly, I, I don't think you compare you care really much about whether he's a DP. Uh, sometimes the grass is not greener on the other side. I think obviously if you could get him on a TAM deal and keep that slot open, absolutely. You know, you, you, you do that. Uh, we'll see. M- maybe he's a deal. They think they can buy down. It may be one of those things where they're, well, we're going to, and it also possible when Tom Bogart was here and they think, well, we think we can get him on a TAM deal and leads like, no, 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 we want some more money on that transfer fee. So, um, I think I, before we close the door on him, I think it's the, the stats are funny. So I want to talk about them. Yeah. Uh, sure. 86 percentile in shots in the premier league, 75% in shot creating action, 92% in progressive passes received 85% in tackles. That's the good stuff. Uh, 5% in non-penalty goals. He does not complete passes. He does not intercept the ball. He does not block and he can't jump. So he's a very he's a confusing player in that he's really good at tackling the ball as long as he doesn't have to leave his feet at all, either on the ground or jumping. Uh, and he's not going to score. He'll shoot a lot, but he will not score. <laughs> so he will create opportunities. He will shoot and have it saved. Uh, but he is not he's not your goal scoring guy. But that's fine. We got guys who are paid to put the ball in the net. Uh, it's just he's an, he's eight and, between an eight and a ten sounds very much like what he's able to do on the field. So I'm I'm very interested to see how that plays out based on the way the rest of the players are going to have to play. I think you're going to maintain your, your defensive midfielding pairing. If he's playing in that grouping, I think you're still going to have to have some help. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see. I, I think we'll all be curious to see what, what does the lineup look like? Because he, he's not a player. You kind of throw him in here and you're like, all right, well he he's a DP. He has to play almost wonder what, what does this mean for, um, uh, for the guy we just talked about, Ravel Morrison, this kind of feels like what his role was designed to be. I agree. Kind of that that in between eight and ten distributor going to to move the ball. Uh, this almost feels like where where does he does he? I think he, he's been tried out on the right. Does he go higher up the field? Are you going to play you know Morrison, Funtas, and um, and Benteke, and then you're going to have sort of a midfield line maybe with two like more holding type midfielders uh so i i will say this year i really do not know how this team is going to look or how this team is going to wind up at this point point. and who knows there could be a, a bunch of other players come in this deal could entirely fall apart and and put, we, and we're on, on put money on that happening guys it's been this has been in the <laughs> works now for quite a while uh, yeah and and when things go quiet that's when i tend to be like yep hmm yeah i wonder what's 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 really happening um jeremy um Ferfino from Twitter asked, how do you guys feel about Klitsch uh, Klitsch as a DP? Um, I think we kind of said it. I I think, yeah, we'd like it on a TAM. I'm less negative on it um, because, I mean, I think this does this does feel like still a kind of designated player. I think his skill set still arises to that quality. Is he blow blow the doors off designated player like the types that Atlanta are saying? No. Uh, But if he comes here and he's good, then, you know, he's worth every penny. As a designated player, he is uh, the inverse Benteke. He's a yeah. name. He's a name that you know Leeds fans and Polish fans know, and and like you know over over here, it's he's not really known. Whereas Benteke is uh, more of a household name. Uh, it would have been really cool if we could have got him as a TAM player and bought down Paulson. That would have been the best. 
but in a world where we're not living in that, it's, it's fine. Uh, and Salvi soccer fan on IG says, should we be concerned that Sean Howe didn't attend the world cup as a scout? No, we should not. It's fine. We saw he, uh, no, <laughs> he, uh, yeah. he's, he, he has certainly watched the games like us. He is scouting, uh, other, other leagues, uh, across the world at the moment. I think the most overvalued market in the world is the world cup post world cup market. Oh, yeah. So don't play in that. We can't afford to play in that. No, yeah, the amount of geez, the amount of players Liverpool signed in like the early two thousands based on World Cup performances and how it did not work out. World Cup's a complete like the World Cup is just it's yeah it's different different animal different animal entirely. Um, let's get into some off the field some off the field news. I think we'll kind of close out the show. Jason Levian uh, making the uh, business insider. I think is where he we found this article, and that's where um, you always want your owners. That's where you want them to show up is on <laughs> Business Insider. That's always good. Yeah, that's always always good. It's stuff. always a good story, really. If you think about it, if there's ever a breaking news about your owner, you know yeah. you're going to be like, "This is good for the this is good for the club." Good for the club, hundred um, percent. Jason Levian accused of tax fraud by his former general counsel at DC United, so that immediately brings us into DC United, uh, claiming that he claimed residence in Florida. Um, and lying to New York officials in, in that case. Uh, the case apparently how the business insider got this is that this was filed under seal via, you know, whistleblower. Uh, and there is, you know, certainly there are financial implications uh, for the former general counsel for receiving this. Uh, basically, the New York attorney general in, investigated, we, you know, we assume and uh, turned down the case. Um to back up what Ted said, the financial implications are the whistleblower gets a percentage of the funds recovered. Yeah. So that that somewhat creates a bit of a perverse incentive for for uh for that kind of thing. But that's what that's what the the cost of exposing yourself to potential counter litigation is. You got to have some skin in the game. Yeah. Um. Apparently, according to him, that you know Levin is born and bred in Manhattan. Um, and then recently moved to D.C., uh, he alleges that there is considerable evidence, including public records, media interviews that shows Levian has never lived in Florida and claims that Levian's accountant uh, told Dubert that Levin, Levian uses his parents' residence as a Boca uh, – parents' residence. Who doesn't? A Boca Raton condo for Who doesn't purposes. do that? All right, everyone does yeah. that. Yeah, and, and you know, and so basically uh, – I believe Black and Red United reached out to Jason Levin for a comment. Uh, he has denied the allegations. He has stated that he asked, uh, uh, has retained PwC to conduct an independent review of his tax returns uh, and claims he does not owe any. So the, the, no, 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 no. <laughs> Pricewaterhouse Cooper and Jason Levin said, "Hey, uh, I, I paid all my taxes. In fact, I paid too much yeah. taxes. Uh, in fact, I, I'm the best at paying taxes, and I like uh. doing paying taxes so much. I paid a little bit more." Uh, the the statement came out after the fact from Price Waterhouse Cooper saying, uh, or and his lawyers like, uh, we have also filed to get that money back. Like he's not <laughs> he's not like bragging that he overpaid. And he's like, I don't care. That's fine. I got so much money that I'll just you know keep it, <laughs> keep it. State governments. So he's gonna get that money back. I want to just say, uh, you know, you don't get to make fun of millionaires very often, but I think a two million annual income has got to be the brokest major sports uh, sports owner like income stream that exists probably in the world. So, you know, he's doing better than us, but as these things go, uh, Jason Levian is, has the reputation of being the guy who does the work for the guys who have the money when it comes yeah. to, to, and that's what this is. So you know, he's trying to say, he's trying to, he's just like us, man. We're trying to cut coupons. We're using Rakuten. <laughs> we're getting cash back. He's deciding that he doesn't want to pay state income tax and local income tax. We got to, you know, you got to make ends meet when you're a MLS club owner and you only make $2 million a year. Yeah, I, I, I first I thought there was a lot of smoke to this, and I think that's dissipated quickly. Yep. Uh, this was a bigger story, I think, when we were yeah. <laughs> when we were writing the outline. Then I think it's ended up turning. Who knows? Maybe uh, maybe they, they'll discover you know hundreds of millions of dollars in taxes. Um, People were talking about like, is is he going to be forced to sell? Are we going to be no. free? I'm like, no, man, <laughs> we're not that we're not that lucky to have something this small snowball to that. That is crazy. He's like, yeah. so no, that's not going to no. happen. No, don't wish. Happen. Don't hope. Don't hope. I mean, come on. You guys have we've been around Dan Snyder and the Washington That's Commanders, right. which it's like how long that took to actually have something happen. And I don't I don't think I don't think Jason Levine is that depraved as 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 Mr. Daniel Snyder. So no, not close. All right, folks, that's going to do it. This is going to be the last show of the year. Uh, we uh, for at least for DC United coverage. Check out Kindred Spirits if you want to talk. We're going to talk some spirit coming up next. Um but uh, this is going to be the last show of the year. We're going to be back 
uh, coming up, I think, uh, after the new year. Yep. Uh, we'll be ready to talk preseason. Hopefully, there'll be some big, juicy transfers. We'll have a schedule. We'll have a super draft pick to hopefully talk about a lot of other things. And if be you look out, we might do some other stuff, too, in the meantime. If you support us at the $1,000 Patreon tier, Ted or I will fly <laughs> out to uh, wherever the preseason is out in California, <laughs> at uh, Indio, California. Otherwise... We'll have to. Otherwise, you and I will both be tweeting at DC United at DC United. Where is the stream? Can we watch the stream? We need to see the stream. If, if anyone's out there in 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 uh, in California and has access, I mean, to me, maybe I'm I'm being hopeful here, but I hope maybe someone sees. Hey, this is an opportunity. Let's test out this yeah. new streaming package that we have to do. That assumes that they is, have things ready at that point. They're yeah. still not like frantically plugging in wires and moving <laughs> moving cameras around. But we'll anyway, see what happens. inevitably you, it's a, we will not, we will not be, we, I will not put another show in the feed uh, next week. I will not torture you uh, with another, with another replay from the past. So take a break, uh, you know, set your, uh, set your intentions for 2023 and then we'll be back post them all draft and with a little bit more news and hopefully, hopefully a finalized DP move so that yep. we can stop. We can stop being like, this is falling apart. Isn't it? This is now saying shame. We're going to blow the doors off in January. So yep. we'll see. We'll see what happens. Let's do it. All right, guys. Thank you all so, so much for listening. We'll catch you guys uh, in 2023. Vamos. Vamos.